Welcome to the Networking for the People podcast series. If you're looking for guidance on NFTs, you've come to the wrong place. But stick around anyway, as we figure out what our friends are up to, why they are doing what they do. I'm Robert, welcome to NFTP. Today, we welcome Anushree Sridhar. Anu is a technical project manager, program manager rather, at Bowery Farming. She's a chemical engineering graduate that's collected a variety of interesting experiences already. Fire extinguishing research, auto-injectable research, she helped me co-host a TEDx event, and plenty more. After graduating, she entered the world of software technology, touching subjects such as DLT, big data, and search algorithms, with the idea of one day bringing her education and practical experience to a company that valued social causes such as sustainable farming. Anu enjoys learning about sustainable fashion and the South Asian diaspora through her work with Brown Girl Magazine. Anu, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert, for having me on. And that was a, a glowing introduction. Well, I feel like we have a lot to talk about today, and I'm happy just to get right into it. So from your perspective, who are you and what do you do? Uh, good question. Um, I feel like you gave a pretty good review of like what I've done so far. Um, so not to reiterate to a T, but uh, I'm currently a program, a technical program manager at Bowery Farming, which is uh, America's largest vertical farming company based in New York. Prior to that, I worked um, at Accenture on technology implementations across large enterprise companies, decided I wanted to pivot into the product space. And so I worked at a product company called Yext that's marketed as an AI search company. Um, as you mentioned, on the side, I really enjoy writing and editing for an online magazine called Brown Girl Magazine that caters content for the South Asian diaspora. And particularly, I write about sustainable fashion and I edit for the book's vertical where I get the unique opportunity to interview authors about their upcoming novels. That's really interesting. So <laughs> as if we can't tell already, you have quite a busy plate uh, on top of the things going on in your personal life. I love that you're able to make time for it. And I know that doing all those things back to back, especially gives you energy. And I hope we d get to dive into that today. So in your more or most recent role now with Bowery Farming, can you tell me about how you discovered the role, the job, and then what led to your decision to finally take it? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned before, I kind of started off after I, we graduated from Cooper Union. I started off my career in the consulting space at a very, very large consulting firm. Really learned a lot about uh, what I liked and did not like about <laughs> that type of work environment. And quickly realized that mm -hmm. consultants really, at least at Accenture, focus on implementing rather than creating the product. And I knew for myself that I wanted to join a position and a company where I could be one of the people actually building the product or helping to build the product, which mm -hmm. is what led me mm -hmm. to Yext, where I got to wear a couple of hats around the company in different, uh, in different roles, such as product partnerships manager, product manager, um, and data strategist. And uh, basically, towards the end of my career at Yext, I was really thinking about uh, what it is that I wanted to put out in the world. I knew I wanted to still be in the uh, work in a product capacity where I was building something. Um, but I started to really question mm -hmm. like the mission that I wanted to dedicate, you know, my most of my daylight hours towards. I was really looking for a place that had a physical product with like a supply chain component. And I was looking to uh, really connect my education in chemical engineering with the experience that I have mm -hmm. in software, which is a very niche thing to do, I would say. And I'm, I'm really glad that I 
was able to get this opportunity at Bowery Farming. The way I actually got this role was interesting. Another aspect that I'm really interested in is the startup world and how advising and investing works within the startup space. And so I've done a couple of like venture capital programs. I've signed up for uh, VC newsletters to just keep myself abreast of, you know, topics that interest me, one of which included the robotics and vertical farming space. So I received a newsletter in March of last year that detailed a couple of companies in the startup space that received funding. And one of the companies that stood out to me the most was Bowery Farming. And I quickly started following the progress of Bowery Farming from March of last year. When it came time for me to actually seriously apply to different places, I was still applying, you know, in the software space thinking, oh, there's no way I could potentially, you know, make it in this world of like hardware and software and IoT. Right. And that's right. something I've never really done before. But, you know, pushing that self-doubt aside, I decided to apply and just see if I could bring my skills and my, you know, the tools that I've learned so far to this company. And it ended up working out for me. Right. I ended up getting the job and I started a couple of weeks ago uh, and it's going really well. That's fantastic. I love kind of how it wasn't just a one week process. It was a extended process of you did the research early. You found areas that you were passionate and interested about. You waited until that opportunity presented itself to you and you hopped right on that opportunity and struck a home run. Obviously, you got the job and I'm excited to kind of, or I'm interested, you know, as a couple months go by, I'll definitely be talking to you about uh, <laughs> how that's going and how you're actually doing more of the creation and less of the implementation. You know, I think everyone has to find that piece, like you said, to, that they're passionate about and where they want to spend their time in. So I love that for you. So yeah, I love how you brought in together that probably your past experience of working on a, the fire extinguishing ball. I remember we spent that summer in Invention Factory together back in undergrad. Uh, a lot of testing, a lot of research. Like you mentioned, you're a chemical engineer at heart. Why did you feel you didn't want to pursue that route kind of immediately? And even now, you know, you're taking in or you're putting together rather a couple of different pieces from things we've learned. I, you know, I remember you're always taking various other types of projects and roles. And where do you feel that your education or your experience kind of is going to tie to your day-to-day -day now? Yeah, good question. So a couple of things to address here. One is, I think the crux of your question also is, you know, why did I end up doing chemical engineering in the first place? Why did I mm -hmm. stick with the degree? Why didn't I, you know, once I figured out that I didn't want to be a practicing chemical engineer, I could have moved to another another university, maybe tried to get another degree, etc. Mm -hmm. And really the reason why I stuck it out with the chemical engineering degree is because ultimately the reason why I even chose to do a chemical engineering degree is because the chemical engineers are pretty much the brains behind how our consumer product processes work, right? Whether you think... Mm -hmm. Jack of all trades sometimes, exactly. right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, a testament to that is our final project our senior year where we weren't just trying to decide on how are we going to build a process? You know, what are the pumps and the valves and the tools we need? But also the financials behind it and the human capital aspect, right? Like how much would we pay the workers and what's the overhead cost of the entire facility and what are the distribution um, mm -hmm. outlets? And it's really funny because those are the same questions that I, I face in, you know, my job at Battery Farming now as well. So there are definitely things that have come full circle in, in terms of that. And as you mentioned, getting a chemical engineering degree has taught me a lot about sourcing, has taught me a lot about materials, taught me a lot about mm -hmm. just the way things work in our world. 
And mm-hmm. so I really am happy that I stuck it out with a degree and that I can actually use some of it in my day to day now. I knew mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a practicing chemical engineer in that capacity. And one of the things that actually really directed me towards the, the software world, at least, or just an, another world entirely, was going through that invention factory process where mm-hmm. uh, when we were operating in the capacity of only engineers and building the, the what and, you know, the, the actual product, I realized through receiving grants and attending a lot of like seminars and things like that, that one thing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. maybe me and my factory partner at the time, one thing that we weren't necessarily thinking about is the product market fit, which is really, really important. I was, yeah. Right. So I think that's a really interesting division to draw. I think, and maybe the engineering education has changed now, but that emphasis wasn't exactly placed when we were in school. And so I was really interested Mm -hmm. in, okay, what does the world need versus how can I make this product for it? And so I think that kind of question led me to believe that there's a, there's an importance in being able to translate technical concepts into, into the business world and vice versa. And I knew that if I got this technical degree, but I was still able to speak to that, kind of more business economics oriented world that I could that I could thrive. I really I really did enjoy that space a lot, like trying to figure out what is needed mm-hmm. and how we can bring it there. And so software was a really interesting space to do it in. Uh, the reason why I chose it is because I think it's the most developed space that has a lot of mentorship and a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you think about it Especially in the last couple of years, there's been so much growth, so much physical capital and people capital. Exactly. That's been allocated to it exactly and new york is you know one of the best places for it as well obviously silicon valley aside but i i really enjoyed the software world for the amount of i guess structure that it taught me to uh to learn about and um essentially it it really did teach me a lot about how uh, people operations worked you know like if Mm -hmm. Software is a little different in that, obviously, it's easier to correct any mistake because it's not like a, a, right. a hardware tool that you had a vendor work on for like a year or so. It's e- a way easier to correct, for sure. Right. And that's the reason why... You don't need an, you don't need a physical product Exactly. Recall, right? You can release an update. Yeah. Uh, it comes with its own challenges, but I think I was just able to learn about that product lifecycle a lot faster, and I was able to gain a lot of really important skills that... Now, in my job at Bowery Farming, I am able to apply, and there's still a lot for me to learn from. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm really glad I went into software. I learned a lot about how our world works, how our phones work, how network, network, network infrastructures itself work, and that kind of leads me to my job today, where I'm on the scalable tech team at Bowery Farming, where we're ensuring that as we build out our farms, you know, we have the network infrastructure to handle the data capacities, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. from the physical servers, like at our farms to any sort of like, um, you know, virtualization of tooling as well. So that's mm-hmm. essentially the job where it literally is the overlap between my education and my professional experience so far. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny to, to tie it to well, you know, I shared with you the title of our episode, Always Something Anew, because like you said, you're finding these new pieces, you're going through these new experiences, but you're able to tie them together. Um, I know you've definitely inspired me to broaden my horizons. And I don't know if you remember our conversation when I was 
when I wanted to talk to you about taking on a new role, new set of responsibilities, and you said, why not? So I'm happy to hear that you're also kind of taking your own advice because sometimes that can be difficult. I want to touch on to something that you mentioned from a different perspective. You mentioned the human capital aspect, right? There's a lot of planning that people need to put in and then people need to execute. When you describe all the things that you're doing, I'm concerned about your human capital. <laughs> <laughs> you're someone that seems to have an energetic, if I may put it, lifestyle. You know, I feel like I, because since, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years, but I do want to hear how you would describe it. How would you say this energy and the passion that you have translates to your work-life balance? Yeah, uh, work-life balance is definitely an interesting term that I've been trying to decipher for myself for like the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately doing what you enjoy and if you feel challenged is, I believe, half the battle. Feeling challenged, feeling mm -hmm. uh, supported, equally supported is also really, really, really right. important. And, you know, I do think that's half the battle there. For me personally, I am multifaceted for sure. I have tons of different interests and I, <laughs> I believe that, you know, my work is important to me. But it's also not the only defining thing about me. Um, I enjoy dancing on the side. Uh, I enjoy just, you know, hanging out with friends and blowing money on shopping. Just, you know, your regular average 20-something mm -hmm. things. In terms of how I balance it, you know, some weeks are better than others. And that's the thing, right, about work-life balance is there are some days or some weeks where you feel really good about your work-life balance. You're giving equal... You're giving a good amount of time to your friends. You're calling up your parents, you know, occasionally. And there's weeks where mm -hmm. I'm in over my head with work. Or maybe there's an article upcoming. Or now I'm also in the throes of wedding planning. So that's a whole other project managing aspect of my life. So I just believe that, um, you know, when times get tough, there will come a week or two in the future where it won't be so hectic. But for now, I'm able to get through mm -hmm. it because of pretty much my support network and giving myself the time and the space I need to decompress if I need to. And that includes, you know, telling a friend, hey, I need a rain check on dinner this week. Let's do next week. Um, mm -hmm. And giving Just to give yourself back that exactly, time. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think, especially in our 20s, we're all trying to figure out what we enjoy doing and who we enjoy spending our time with. And that it, right. it, it is a huge like emotional uh and mental you know capacity thing that you have to learn for yourself and i think it's something that i don't know if it's something that we can ever say we've achieved you know it's a state that we right ebb and flow but, but it's it's a path it's a state and it's a path that we try to draw for ourselves for ourselves yes exactly that um so yeah how do i do it i like to ping pong back and <laughs> forth between things i love to do and find a balance between that. I, I try to make sure that I'm just listening to what I need, you know, whether it's a good run or 12 hours of sleep, it can look different every single, every single day. So just really listening to myself and forgiving myself and, you know, just treating myself kindly. Yeah, that's nice. I think there's like a very common idea of the fork in the road. Once you get to a certain point, you're presented with this fork. And maybe in this situation, it's where am I putting my energy in? The left side is work and I want to succeed in my job and, you know, create great products to help people. And the other side is the personal energy, personal mental health, like 
I can only focus my time in one or the other. But I think perhaps short term, it's it's realistic for some people, maybe not realistic for others. But long term, it, that fork, it's not just two stems. Um, once you start taking a couple of steps, you'll see you have opportunities to intertwine those stems. So it's more of like a DNA, like a <laughs> like a double yeah. helix, right? So you're you, you're looking for those areas of overlap, or even if they're points of overlap, yeah. where those points can be moments of reflection and deciding again if I'm going to go left or if I'm going yeah, to go right. Yeah, and you've said it most eloquently. A good example I can think of off the top of my head, I'm running the half marathon at the end of April, the Brooklyn half. Uh, I don't run, but this is something that I was like, okay, this is a fitness goal for the year. Let's do it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. and as part of that, me, both my roommates – my sister and her now husband, an ex-colleague of mine, we're all running it together. And every week we do our long run together, whether it's in Manhattan or in Brooklyn. And it's a way for me to kind of like hit two birds with one stone. I'm feeling really great. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite experiences. Yes, yes. I'm feeling physically great. Uh, my friends are motivating me and we're doing this together. So that's a really good way to like kind of intertwine like two air areas of interest and it feels really good doing something like that with my friends so yeah that you said it accurately that's exciting i'm definitely going to be following and looking for your time as i did with our other friend who recently completed the new york city marathon but setting you know realistic goals and uh, actionable and achievable goals are like the best way to actually take those steps forward and working as a team and having a team for that support where they understand that, you know, you're having an off day or you just don't have the energy, but they can hopefully give you some of that energy to, to help pull you across the finish line. Yeah, it's definitely about that incremental goal setting. And at least for me, once again, it, a lot of a lot of things that drive me also come from a support system. And so just mm -hmm. doing this together feels like yeah. it's possible. <laughs> I, I if you, God, can I, sorry, Robert, if you asked me like <laughs> five years ago, if I would ever run more than a mile, I would be like, you're out of your mind. But now I feel like it's possible. Like I've seen my roommate do it. She's run the marathon as well last year. And it feels possible. So it's a good feeling. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So with farming, with vertical farming, with adding new technology or bringing in technology into a pretty wide spread space, a pretty well-known space, but a space that sometimes gets ignored or forgotten about is sustainable farming and you know we have growing populations and depleting resources around the world so how can we use what we have and solve the problems that lie in front of us to to be addressed in the future i see it sometimes as okay we see we see the the goalposts but how can we get there in a sociable way or socially conscious way along that you know you have to break up that problem into realistic expectations where you can perhaps have a free-form idea of a solution. When you do have that free-form idea for a solution, what's your process of getting there? Whether it's on the actual product side, whether it's on the people side, or even on the financial side, if you're experiencing that as well. Yeah, that's a good question. So basically, what is my framework when I'm approached with this ambiguous problem that no one's really solved before? Yeah, and that's a really good question. It's something that... I am trying to figure out right now. What I can tell you is I don't think there's necessarily a one, you know, one shop, is it one stop? One stop shop, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a one stop shop solution, solution for a problem like this. And 
the way I view my role is, you know, I'm working within the product team very closely with the engineers and the product managers. Mm-hmm. But a part of my job is also being able to understand the different functions at our company and making sure that the right people are aware of the right things and right. ensuring that, you know, we're kind of optimizing any solution that we bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I guess my answer for now is, you know, come back to me in a couple months when I yeah. <laughs> when I have a better framework in my mind. But um, from what I can tell for now, a lot of it is socializing concepts at the company and making sure that we, from the engineers all the way to our supply chain distributors, we're communicating about our business model, about how our technology works, etc., um mm-hmm. communication at the end of the day is the heart of it all right you oh have to yeah communicate if to communicate in a way that makes sense to the other side and sometimes if you don't have the same experience as the other side you should you know ask them how should i explain this to you or what what and how uh can i do to make this make more sense yeah exactly that and i and once again it goes back to my, the whole philosophy that i had going into my career is being that person that can help translate between those technical concepts to how that can relate to our business goals. And yeah, that's, that's essentially like the crux of, of the job as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but that's also what's, that's what I enjoy about this job is that it's this gray space that no one has really uh, challenged before. No one has really approached it before this industry and this type of business model was not even, you know, around like 10, 20 years ago. Um, there were hydroponic farms, I guess, in people's homes, but creating a mm-hmm. business out of it is definitely new. So that's what's exciting about it is everyone at the company wants to, you know, communicate and everyone's eager about aligning goals and KPIs mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone's really mission driven. So, yeah, I think, I think having that open communication is also really important at work and everyone's willing to do it. Yeah, you know, setting a common goal for a group of people that can all support the mission of a company is probably, you know, hopefully that's the best way of putting together a team that's motivated and wants to work their way to, to that goalpost. Uh, do you have any questions for me today? Ooh, spicy question. Um, so I know you're interviewing a lot of people, at least that we have gone to school with, a lot of your you know, acquaintances, colleagues, friends. Are you, I guess, what, how are you thinking about your career and like where where it stands now versus like where you want it to go Mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's a fair question i think what i was looking for and thankfully i've gotten in my role is the ability to be creative and think about what others are doing and how can i help them do what they do whether that's looking at their data set for example and saying hey how about you try organizing it in this kind of way that's different what was previously done But then I also ask, is this actually helpful for you? Does this make sense? You know, I'm not trying to force any new solutions where they don't need to be forced, right? I'm not looking for, uh, I'm not looking to recreate the wheel. In doing this and reaching out to people, I feel that it hopefully can make my day-to-day better so that I can understand different people's experiences and their thought processes. You know, I've noticed, and I think maybe we can all agree on on this point, no one truly knows what they want to do, <laughs> at least early in their career, right? It takes some time to figure out, some turning over of a couple stones to see the other side of it. And you don't get 
you don't find that out until you actually experience it. Hopefully have a positive experience or at the minimum a learning experience. So I think that's that's my answer and maybe like that's why I'm interested in doing this is to hear about or even see about if I have the opportunity how people are turning those stones over. That's a <laughs> speak in metaphors, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my inspiration and where I draw energy as well is hearing about people's experiences and whether they're positive, whether they're negative, um, is understanding yeah. them. And then obviously any resources that I can provide or whether it's my own or connecting people and showing them that, hey, like I see or hear you're experiencing this kind of problem let's look at how this other person solved that problem or the path they took to address it. Perhaps it'll work, perhaps it won't, but you know, you have, you have to take those two steps forward to sometimes be able to take more steps forward or even take a step or two back, right? But it's all about trying and learning about how other people go about their day-to-day. -day. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I also think that networking, let's call it that, um, talking to people and under like I, networking is is an interesting term because I, I feel like it's you're networking for the purpose of gaining something professionally but just even talking to people right that right. you randomly meet uh, your friends of friends your family friends etc and learning about what they do is super super important because I feel like we are only exposed so much to different types of roles and opportunities that are out there. Um, exactly exactly yeah like if i hadn't you know networked and kind of gotten myself into this like vc startup space i would not have known even that i could apply to a vertical farming company that they're looking for people that have like software experience and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um i think that's super super important and honestly coming from consulting where i feel like that's half the way you get your projects especially at a, as a large in a large consulting firm like accenture it's just really, really important to be able to map out um, opportunities for yourself. So, yeah, I really hear you on that. It's something that I think I personally will continue to do. Um, and, you know, I'm really, really happy in my role right now. Um, and it, it's really thanks to talking to a lot of people. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly appreciate you talking with me today. Perhaps I'll end on... A very common and a common run-of-the-mill uh, interview question, um, but it's also, I think, a personal growth question that has you reflect on where you've come and the steps you've taken so far. But where do you see yourself in five years? Ah, the interview question. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so where do I see myself in five years? I could say one thing now, and I'd be really interested to, in five years, look back at this podcast and see if it plays out. <laughs> But so I would say right now I'm in this new role in this new industry that's that's super nascent. So it's hard to tell, I guess, where I'll be in a couple of years. I can see myself growing in this space and at this company um, and still serving uh, in a social cause capacity. Beyond that, I really just want to be happy and healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure my family's happy and healthy. And I think that's probably the most important thing for me. So professionally, I want to still be in a social cause capacity. I want to be known as a person who is working and delivering in this space, you know, in this mm -hmm. like sustainable food, potentially fashion space. No, that, was, that, was, that was great on you. I appreciate your dedication to your passion. Um, I know sometimes it's hard for us to 
put our passions into practice and give them the time they deserve. But at the end of the day, that's the things that make us happy. And if we can draw those parallels across different parts of our lives, that only makes our day to day easier. At least that's my opinion. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Um, I also do. I also feel like our passions can only can also exist as passions. Um, yeah. Right. And as hobbies and stuff. And I think that's another way to help with that, you know, quote unquote, work life balance is we right. have passions in our job, we have passions outside of it. And, you know, we just kind of try to live our life to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it reminds me of a scene from the movie Inception um, where it's not doors in a sense, but it's the elevator where, where Leo is this professional mind hunter in a sense um, or dream hunter and helps with the manipulation and inspiration perhaps of people's dreams and what those dreams can turn into reality. But in his elevator, he you know goes up and down and is able to explore these different points of his life and you know, that's a mental game for us. We have to make it a physical game, but knowing where to have those floors, right? The floors that we can go up and down in our own elevator or the doors that we can open, um, knowing that those doors exist and that we can open and explore them at any time is really important and really helpful. Oh, 100%. And I, I like how you use that. It's almost like compartmentalize. How do I don't want to say compartmentalizing, but yeah, yeah, being able to compartmentalize and, um, have our, you know, endorphin receptors pink right. at different times, <laughs> you know, based on... Yeah, get a, get a do- dopamine hit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you, Anu, again for your time and insights today. I really appreciate, again, the time and discussion as you work through these early stages of your career. You know, I, I do regularly reflect on our experience working together in different projects, working on TEDx, and navigating through the perils of probability as well. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing your half marathon run. I wish you all the best in your new role and look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Duncan, for having me on the show. Um, it was really great for me to also just reflect on these past couple of years and reflect on it with an old friend as well. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks to all our listeners. Please visit our website at nftpcast.com. Follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Complete the Google form in our podcast description to stay in touch, to submit future topics and industries for us to cover, recover, and discover. Tune in for the next episode. See you next time. Hi, this is Tyler, the sound engineer with the Networking for the People podcast. If you like today's episode and the music we played, check us out on Facebook and Instagram and at nftpcast.com. Thanks so much and have a great day.